0: Welcome to Tell Me More About Co-Housing with Lynn Morrison and Kelly Soika. Co-Housing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We are developing the first co-housing project in Texas, in Houston, even ahead of Austin. Good morning, Kelly.
1: Good morning, Lynn. How are you? I'm great. And good morning, David. Good morning, David.
0: Good morning, (laughs)
1: <laughs> Today, we have a special guest with us. Uh, we wanted to interview our developer, David Kelly, about our local project and get some perspectives on how this compares our project to the broader co housing environment. Uh, because David has some unique experience and some unique expertise that we think will be interesting both to people in Houston and to uh, kind of the broader
0: co housing community. Yeah. Well, welcome, David. I know. Um you know, a lot of people won't know who you are. You just popped in out of nowhere into our podcast, but really you have longevity with us. And um, I thought, let's just start out by you describing your role in the Co-Housing Houston project, and then give us a little background about how you found us and how we found you.
2: Sure, uh, well, the role of developer for Co-Housing is uh, really one of handling or assisting the group uh, with lots of the business aspects of the project. So. Okay. Uh, starting kind of from the beginning, the site selection, the due diligence on the site, uh, the purchase of the, of the land, um, and then into bringing in the professionals that round out the team, such as the architect and the general contractor, um, and working with them on a daily basis uh, to keep the project moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also communicating back with the group on the progress of things, and then handling you know, some of the business aspects, such as the bookkeeping and, and those types of mundane tasks that still need to take place
0: (laughs) the important mundane
1: tasks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know it's it's interesting david because we get a lot of calls from other projects around the country you know and they ask they ask us a lot of questions and i'm like uh you need to have a professional answering that question for you so i mean one of the things that has really become so clear to us is just how incredibly important the role of a professional is in a co-housing project. Really, don't try and go it alone. It's not safe, you know. It's like playing with fireworks if you're near a kid. So, so sometimes we feel like kids, you know. Um, so how did you find Co-Housing Houston? Um, I
2: went to the National Co-Housing Conference in 2017, which was in Nashville, Tennessee, And I actually went, uh, there's the conferences over the weekend, but they have what they call intensives that are the two days before. So I went to those to really sort of immerse myself and understand co-housing. And I met uh, a couple, uh, Kathy Cookus and Tom King at that Mm -hmm. event. And that led to us, when we came back to Houston, starting to meet on a weekly basis and talk about the project in more detail and how we could move it forward. Um, So it was really just, my interest in co-housing, and then just by luck connecting with Tom and Kathy at the national conference.
0: That's great. So by that point, you were no longer in full-time employment as a developer, you had taken a break, right?
2: Right, I was in non-compete world uh, from my previous employment Mm -hmm. uh, from development and actually banking as well. So um, it was an interesting time for me, but it was a time of research looking into uh, I was very interested in sort of taking a bit of a different turn in the development side and looking at projects that really focused on building community, which, of course, mm. brought me to co-housing.
0: Perfect. Yeah. You know, it would seem to me that everything leading up to that meeting in Nashville and then the invitation to meet for coffee, I remember one day in at Brazil Cafe in Houston. Um, your whole path is sort of perfectly set you up for this. So, um We're very grateful and we're glad that you've agreed to be here this morning. So Kelly, I think was gonna lead out with a a question.
1: Yeah, well, I was wondering, since you have both the experience in co-housing now and outside of co-housing, if you could tell us a little bit about what's unique about a co-housing project compared to other traditional development projects that you've worked on in the structure and then also kind of in the the operations of developing a co-housing project.
2: Sure. I definitely the the biggest difference is the involvement of the members and by members, basically what we mean by that is people who join the development company, which develops the project, but actually at the end of the project will will buy a unit, will buy their home. Uh, So they're really members and they're also the home buyers and the role that they play in the design of the project. um, They really have a very big... Uh, input into what the project will ultimately look like. Their decision-making process is is unique, I think, Uh, and it's very interesting to watch that play out. Um, And um, then also the fact that the the members market the project themselves. Mm. That's very usually very much a a developer role, one of the most important development roles, and the group takes that on, not the developer. Mm. Um, And so I, I think that's that is a pretty amazing thing in itself uh, to watch the group take that responsibility on. Because, th- like we say, we're going to be the homeowner, so you're very. The members are very interested in who the other members are because they're <laughs> going to be their neighbors, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna <Yeah>. be living, <laughs> working with them for a long time. So uh, it's it becomes this group that that um, creates itself in some mm-hmm. ways.
1: Interesting. Do you feel like when you think about co-housing versus other development projects, do you feel like co-housing is more of a partnership then with the people who ultimately will um, get to enjoy the fruits of your labor? Or do you feel like when you're working um, just with a group of professionals to develop something that that's the stronger partnership?
2: Um, it, they're both partnerships. This one is, is is more has more depth to it, I would say. Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, because you still have those professional relationships that are working on this project but then you have the owners as well as a part of that team uh, Mm -hmm. because they are part of the team and so it's just a broader and 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 deeper relationship that gets developed
1: yeah you know what's interesting David is like you hear the word developer and you just kind of think of some I don't even know what you think of like some you know entity out there whatever and so it really means a lot to me in our project you know we we pr- call you the developer but really you're just david and so it's a different relationship i think it's it's more edifying
0: to mm-hmm. have well and you know of course the closer you get to people then sometimes the more frustrating
2: yeah <laughs> 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 That aspect, you know day, day day. Right?
0: <laughs> Not to rain on this whole sunny conversation, but let's well, get...
1: I was wondering too. You know, you have um, some challenges, I'm sure, that working with with a group of people. I suppose it'd be a lot faster if you could just make these decisions yourself. Um, I'm sure, but you had some training coming into this. You're not totally coming into this cold. Um, and so Lynn and I know a lot, a little, well, not a lot, but something about the 500 Communities Program, but I don't know if everybody does. So I was hoping you could talk a little bit about how that prepared you to work in this environment and what it is.
2: Sure, uh, so 500 Communities is a program that uh, was organized by Katie McCammitt, uh, who's also a consultant on this Houston project. Uh, Katie and... Uh, it was very much involved in bringing co-housing to the US and she has 30 plus years of experience in co-housing from a design and a development perspective so she created 500 communities with the goal of actually getting to that point in the u.s is to getting to 500 communities so spreading out her knowledge uh, that she's you know, that obtained over her long career. And so bringing in people who come from different aspects of the de- development world and, you know, giving them her knowledge to help them, you know, create more communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sought out that program uh, because not, I mean, I feel like I hopefully know the development side of things, uh, but it's really more the community side of things that I had no experience in at all. And so that's what really I went into that program trying to get is, you know, one, a better understanding of co-housing in general, but also how do you work with the community? How do you actually make this happen from beginning to end uh, with a group of people who have little to no experience in development wow. uh, and help them manage their own development company and project? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I really focused on in the in, it's a 12-month period. Um, and you meet on a monthly basis and you have homework and um, you get together a couple of times, but most of it. Uh, Even before COVID, there was Zoom, and we spent a lot of time on Zoom together. So you also develop those relationships. Um, And I was, I think, in the third class of 500 Communities, the fourth one is just starting. Um, so you get to know the people in the prior classes as well. So you really create this network mm-hmm. of people involved in co-housing. So I can easily pick up the phone and call and find out what's happening on a project in Oregon or Washington or Montana or Massachusetts or Colorado um, and really trade information uh, as well. So, and then that very, actually involves
1: in- you, David. <laughs> <laughs> <And> <laughs> <not> very <co-housing. laughs> Yeah.
2: So that involvement actually got me invited to be on the uh, advisory board for the National Association, which has been very interesting as well.
0: Excellent. So David, is that that something that you would also, you know, classify as being different from other development projects, having this kind of national network of people? Is that unique to belonging to this co-housing world?
2: It is uh, because uh, I think the group is is not competitive in the least bit. Mm-hmm. It's a very much a sharing group, sharing of best practices and ideas and information. Um, and particularly as we moved through trying to keep projects going during COVID, it was very helpful mm-hmm. to have that uh, group in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, as we know, we we all went online, right? We stopped meeting in person and, and doing a design process online. <laughs> As you both know, it's very
0: challenging. Yes. Can you believe we got there? Well, Uh, let's let's so so we talked about all the things that that are unique about co housing, but we're curious if you could um, maybe highlight some things that are actually the same as other development projects and where your expertise really comes in in strengths and spades.
2: Well, actually, most of it is exactly the same. Uh, mm-hmm. You still you know, need to develop a concept and an idea and have a strategy and a timeline to get there and what are the resources that you need um, to succeed. Um, and then the, the day-to-day execution of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are very, very similar. You still, at the end of the day, need to build something that you can sell um, and that a, a consumer wants. Um, and so that part of it is, is, is very much the same. And, you know, those bits and pieces that go along of, of trying to buy land, <laughs> remember that process? Oh yeah. Uh, it's not easy, it sounds easy, it's not easy. Uh, and then doing the design process, you know, getting architects on board, getting internal contractor on board, all those things are, are very similar. Um, it, we just have a little bit of a different set of players.
0: Right. Right. Well, one of the things that I'm wondering about, and I know I come from a project world, my professional background uh, is IT, but every single IT project I worked on, no matter what industry I was in, um, we come up with an estimate and then we go and get the um, funder to sign off on. Okay, we want to spend, you know, $18 million on this project. And they always, always, I mean, in 40 years, never did it go otherwise. They go too expensive, go back, cut costs. So I just wonder if that's sort of a theme in the development world, regardless of the economic cycle.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Every every project, you know, has multiple times when you revisit the budget and say, Mm -hmm. how can we, how can we bring this down? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because there, the other side of it and almost every project there's, there's budget creep, right? It keeps going Mm -hmm. up and up and you add this and you add that and you, you. Six months later, you look back and go, oh, we, we need to revisit this. Uh, this has gotten out of kilter. Um, and so that is that is absolutely the same in this project. You always, in every project, will have multiple times where you value engineer and okay. go back and try and, and get some savings out of the budget um, and, and rethink what your decisions were, right? You may have a different set of information that you had nine months ago mm-hmm. and you would you can go back and rethink something.
1: Uh-huh. speaking of a different set of information <laughs> okay let's talk about 2021. Yeah, yeah, there was the development world and then there is the development world so can you talk to us a little bit about what's going on in 2021 that's unique what that makes this value engineering different than all other value engineering that's come before
2: Yeah, Uh, well, I mean, we have had a major disruption in in two important pieces of the development world. One is the supply chain, uh, and two is the labor force. And those are different things. Labor force is is a little more local, supply chain is very international. Um, And so it's hard to look forward on what's gonna happen with the supply chain. What we do know is we've had a major disruption to our materials that are either unavailable or have tripled or quadrupled in price um and so it we were tracking very well on our budget as long as this project has gone on until we got into this year and then we saw what was happening in Mm. um construction prices Um, and it's still a bit of an unknown uh even though we have some information um it's it's going to continue to change hopefully it changes in our direction um as Hopefully, hopefully we see you know these supply chain disruptions start to work their way through,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh,
2: but that can take some time. And because it's international on the material side, um, we have less information. It's yeah. less of a crystal ball that we can foresee when things will change.
1: Mm-hmm. So if that's playing out for the vendors and the subs, and then rolls up to the general contractor, and we can't get stable pricing on things, um, how? I mean, if it's happening to us, it's got to be happening to everyone else. How I know that you have had conversations with other communities about how this is impacting their projects. Can you tell us a little bit about how how is everybody else faring?
2: Yeah, they're they're having the same challenges that we're having, you know, here in Houston on the project. Um, so they're having to make some, some cost-saving decisions, and they're having to make some decisions potentially about raising prices as well. So that seems to be the how it's the two levers that are being used to reduce cost as much as you can, and what you can't, then you have to raise your prices. And so we are seeing other projects continue to move forward. Uh, there's a project in Oregon that apparently is about to break ground. Uh, And they had, a just like we are having, they had an increase in prices that they didn't expect, the cost of construction. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're seeing uh, projects in Washington and California also continue to move forward. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a little bit of a time when the groups and the members are dealing with the the news of the increase in construction costs. It takes a little time to work through that, but then they seem to be able to bounce back and grow Mm -hmm. and continue on. So uh, Mm -hmm. financing is still available. Um, So projects are still happening.
1: And David, do you feel like the co housing model is maybe a little bit, I don't know, beneficial at this stage of the game because there are already buyers involved as opposed to a developer who doesn't yet have any buyers and is trying to get a project built in this environment?
2: It's, yes, it's very helpful, uh, particularly as it relates to the financing to have the commitment of buyers Mm. um, in this environment is very helpful in getting the bank financing,
0: absolutely. Interesting. You know, I'm just curious from a community side. You know, when when you're talking with your uh, your peer group that you described your national network, how how and I mean, it's a hard it's kind of a weird question for us to be asking, how are we doing? You know, like what is our, you know, how are we co-housing Houston as a community?
1: David, how are we doing? (laughs) I will
2: say uh, in particular, what's really stood out to me is the ability of the group to understand the dynamics and Mm. not, uh, we have not needed to spend much time talking about, you know, what are the factors causing this? Because the group seems to be able to really grasp that Pretty quickly and and get a full understanding of the environment that we're in so we're not spinning around oh what do we do about this we're I mean we are doing something about it but Mm -hmm. we're not spending you know meeting and after meeting talking about the the factors we're spending time talking about what are we going to do about it Uh, what can we change to make this work Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think the group has done an amazing job at that Uh, and that's incredibly helpful I mean, that's going to shave months off this process. Otherwise, we could have spent, you know, doing nothing other than talking about it.
0: Yeah. Uh, interesting. So very sort of solutions. Or I've, I would say that about this team. We are, you know, people just want to do stuff, get get moving. So that's good. Good to have that reflected back. Um, well, is there, you know, sort of parting words in the area? We're looking for a little, you know, message of, hope and optimism and, you know, I've heard you say sometimes in our small coordinating team, like we're going to get there, we're going to get there. Can you say a little bit about that and maybe um, articulate what it is that makes you say these things?
2: Sure. Yeah, I think one thing that I've seen from project after project is there's always a potential for a project to stall and just sort of fade away. And, and every project has that opportunity multiple times. And you can think about this project, you know, it took us a while to get land. Mm-hmm. And then we got actually outbid on the piece of property we wanted uh, at first, right? I remember there was like a week period yeah. that it was, it was going to somebody else and we we're gonna have to start over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, trying to do the design process online. There have been so many chances for this project to just stall and it never has. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a real determination of the members of this group and and uh, that's sort of goes along to the conversation we were just having about um, you know having buyers really helps this project at this stage in this economy and environment and it's those those members who have kept this project going mm. and and the, the pro team the professional team is very committed to mm-hmm. this project so I think with everyone's determination to make it happen it will happen
0: Ah, well, I like that message for a Monday morning. That's better than my first cup of coffee. (laughs) Certainly on the marketing team, we needed that little shot in the arm.
1: (laughs) David, thank you so much. This is really helpful Mm. to think about the pros and cons of developing as a group. Because, you know, I think that when you think about building something if you're not a developer, your mind instantly goes towards you building a single home or something, which is really different. And and then I also think probably if you are a developer, your mind goes to a different place too than than what it really is like to work with a community and to have to um, move more slowly uh, to make decisions, uh, but hopefully make more durable decisions uh, so that everybody in the end is on board with what has been decided rather than having kind of second guessing and, and things like that. And I, I feel like we are, we are experiencing the fruits of the time and effort in building relationships because there's not been much, you know, or any second guessing about, um, our professional team or, mm-hmm. you know, where we're headed or, you know, once, once we, as a group have come to a decision, I feel like we're, we're pretty good about, uh, about holding that. Yeah. So yeah. Help hear that from you, David. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you again. And thanks to our listeners for stopping by today. So glad you clicked on our episode. For more information about our project, Co-Housing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about co-housing, we like cohousing.org. We're really active on social media. So check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Co-Housing Houston. See you next week. Bye.
1: Bye.